today is all about figuring out how we can nurture ourselves in a way that the energy we put into the universe and our business and our clients grows healthier individuals, communities, and ultimately helps us reach our entrepreneurial goals in a way that truly aligns deeply with our soul. I'm really excited to welcome a special guest today, Lisa. Lisa has spent almost 20 years in various roles in the nonprofit world, and most recently working as a grants manager at a food systems organization that works at an intersection of health food access, sustainable agriculture, and social justice. But she is also a published author, a blogger, a podcaster, and an integrative nutrition health coach. Lisa's mission is to support you in being well while doing good. And today we're definitely going to walk you through that process of how you can come back into alignment in your business through Lisa's EAT process, which stands for Engage, Align, and Transform. Today, we're chatting all about how and why we can engage our inner wisdom in our businesses to achieve our goals how we can align or realign our daily choices with our personal values as well as our goals, and how can we completely transform our lives and our businesses through creating micro habits that actually help not only sustain us, but help grow healthier people, the planet, and communities. Let's dive right in. I'm Lexi Sparrow, holistic nutritionist turned business strategist, who believes there's a much easier way to build your dream business online. It all starts by getting clear on the simple, straightforward strategies that support you. I created the Magnetic Business Podcast for coaches, consultants, and service-based entrepreneurs who are looking to start, launch, and grow their own successful online business in a way that feels aligned with how they want to spend their time and share their genius with the world. Each episode brings you a blend of step-by-step strategies, mini trainings, and energetic topics like human design and manifestation, so you can start taking serious action in the way that you were designed to be most successful. If you're ready to build your own blueprint to your most rewarding and thriving online business, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's get started. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lexi. So happy to be here. I'm super excited to have you on to talk everything related to nurturing ourselves and our energy. I think this is something that we spend a lot of time doing for other people as coaches, as practitioners, as empaths in the world. And although we know that we should be nurturing ourselves, it typically is like that thing we we put on the very end of the to-do list. And so I'm hoping that our conversation today can give the, the listeners something really tangible and actionable so that they can come back to nurturing themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great topic. I mean, it really, it really speaks to how, especially as women and coaches, we tend to serve others until we're drained dry, as opposed to, you know, serving from our overflow rather than giving people the dregs of our own energy. Yeah, that typical, like you can't pour from an empty cup. We all know it, but it's so easy to continually do it if it's a pattern in our lives. Aren't we all our own worst clients? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny. You should say that. The other day I saw uh, like a, a meme on Instagram and it was like, you know, the the book of knowledge and wisdom that I share with everyone. It's like this giant book. And then like, <laughs> and then it's like the book of wisdom that I actually listen to myself. It's like this tiny, teeny little thing. Sure. And I <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's so it's so true is that sometimes as the the expert, we forget that we're allowed to be human and have those moments where we actually need a coach or we need to coach ourselves sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the most important things that we can do as as someone doing coaching in the world is to really really walk that walk that talk by having our own coaches, whether they are, you know, people that we met while we were going through coaching training or really just hiring someone to be there and, and be your, your mirror for yourself. Yeah. Now, before we get too far into the episode, I want you to kind of give us a little bit of your background because you have such an interesting story coming from working in the nonprofit world, becoming an integrative nutrition health coach, kind of blending those worlds together. So can you give us a little bit of your background and really what what brought you to the work you're doing today? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I, I like to say that I have one of those resumes that you look at and you're like, what was this woman thinking? She is completely unemployable. <laughs> or you could look at it and say, oh, this woman can do anything. <laughs> so the reason that happens is that I started out teaching foreign language. My first career was in teaching Mandarin Chinese, believe it or not. And um, I come from a family of language teachers, and I'm sure that my parents must have thrown up their hands in dismay when I left doing that because they were like, why did we pay for this education? <laughs> but I like to say that if, if you look at what I was doing my entire life, shifting careers several times, um, it really makes sense. And I find that as a coach, I actually go back to foreign language and how I used to teach it because I think about it sort of as being, I'm teaching people the, the foreign language of health for example. Um, it's not a language that we speak very naturally, and it's something that we need to practice just like a foreign language. So I started out teaching Chinese, and then I um, moved into moved back into working in the food industry because I it was what I had done prior to, to going to college. And it was, I knew I was going to be able to make money doing it. And so uh, I went back to working in restaurants and realized, you know, I, I don't really want to be serving. I want to be making food, but I don't want to be in a restaurant kitchen. So I went to culinary school and I became a caterer and private chef and really noticed um, how, how difficult it was for people to cook at home on a regular basis um, and realized that, you know, in part, my services, especially as a personal chef, were sort of enabling this behavior, I guess, is the way to put it. Um, that, you know, people weren't learning to cook because they could just pay someone else to do it for them. And I was thinking about that past, particularly during the pandemic, where all these people were just like, oh my gosh, I need to cook at home now. <laughs> so I, I really was interested in helping people cook at home from scratch more often. And at that point, I had small children and catering just did not fit with that because, you know, your clients and your kids need you at the same time, nights, weekends, and holidays. So I left the food business and became quote unquote, just an administrative assistant. And I happened to land in administration, um, mostly in the nonprofit sector. I did higher education. I, I worked in a church. Um, I worked in a 501c3 nonprofit. And all this time, my husband is moving from job to job. So I was moving from job to job as well. 
And when I landed in the, the 501c3, it was an amazing experience. It was an organization that works at the intersection of sustainable agriculture, social justice, and healthy food access. And it really made me think about our food in a different way um, and also got me back into food sort of through a social justice lens, which is, I think, why I was headed in that direction the whole time. So I noticed as I was being trained as a health coach on the side, how burned out women in the nonprofit sector and what I like to call it the mission driven world uh, really get because they, they are the women who are chronic caregivers. You know, we work uh, serving other people all day in these jobs, whether it's healthcare, hospice work, uh, childcare, education, social work, we constantly take care of other people and we go home and there's a whole other group of people there who need our care. So that's where that burnout and that sort of, I'm pouring my cup out completely and giving people what's left the drops rather than filling my cup and feeding people from the overflow. So that's sort of my background. And I discovered that my best clients really have been uh, women in the mission-driven sector. Uh, because it's it's a different form of burnout, I think. And so I spend a lot of time getting them to figure out how to complete their stress cycles and nourish them, nourish themselves in a in a more holistic way. That's so interesting. And I love that you said <laughs> your resume is like, how is this woman employable? But yet she could do everything <laughs> because I feel like so many of um the women that I work with have, have almost become that as well. And I think it's, it's really this um, societal thing that's happened in the last 10, 20, 30 years where women are out in the workforce, the reins are off, so to speak. Obviously, we know, like, side note, we know they're not really like, we know they're there's still really. a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things to work on there. But in general, like if we look back to, you know, my grandparents, my great grandparents, especially my great, great grandparents, my great, great grandma would be looking down at me going, Oh my goodness, the opportunities that you've had, the things that you've created, like online business, what even is that? How can you just start up your own business? So I think it's really cool to see that more women like yourself and like the women that I work with are going out and like dabbling in all these different careers, trying on different things. Like how freeing is that, that we have an opportunity to, to do that, to not be stuck in one career and to say, you know what, I'm going to pivot or I'm going to try something else, or this isn't working for me. So I'm going to, you know, try something new. I love that. But at the same time, as you said, sometimes it becomes like a burnout because if you are very mission driven, if you are really connected to your purpose or want to be connected to your purpose, if you're not finding that in your work, it can be really draining and really like a, a road to burnout. And yeah. so yeah. I think the two go hand in hand. Do you feel that with the women that you work with as well? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll tell you an interesting story. I just interviewed a, a woman recently for my podcast and I, I gave her these data points. I said, you know, as women, we, it, it's been noticed that we bear about 75% of the mental load in, in a household, like a traditional heterosexual household, women will bear 75% of the mental load. Now, what that means is, yes, the partner may be helping with the chores, but we are the program managers, right? We know the kids' names, the, the kids' friends' names. We know the kids' friends' parents' names. We know where they live. We know the kids' after-school schedule, the kids' teachers' names, when are parent-teacher conferences, 
when does the doctor appointment need to be made? Like, it's fine. The dads are being great. A lot of them have really stepped up. And we still tend to manage that cognitive work. And when we work more full time, the more full time we work, the more of that cognitive load we bear. Now you would think that it would be opposite, right? Like if I work full time, then we should be splitting the cognitive work 50-50 as well, right? <laughs> but it's just not true. The more we work, the more full-time we work, the more of that mental load we bear. And I'm sure you've seen in the news how many women have been affected by the pandemic, right? Yes. <laughs> Hitting us much harder. And so I gave her those three data points. You know, we bear 75%. We bear more of it if we work full-time and the pandemic has been particularly hard on women. And she said, you know what? I think, I think it's a great thing. She goes, think of all those women who are now sitting at home frustrated and thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to make money? Maybe I should do something myself. And she said, I think we're going to see this explosion of women-led entrepreneur type businesses. And I thought, wow, way to reframe that, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah. I know. I love that because yeah, like you said, I think it just comes from, again, we put the pressure on ourselves and the more you kind of climb up that ladder of like self-awareness and coming into your own and being a powerful woman, whether that is working full-time or running a business or, you know, running and managing the entire household, it, it's like, okay, I'm on the next level. So I should be able to do more of this versus seeing it as, okay, maybe I'm doing a lot of things. And now, I've been able to, I should be able to ask for more help, right? That's right. like a, a, a classic thing that happens is, okay, so I'm now I'm super woman or I'm super mom or I'm super, you know, boss all at once. So I should be able to do it all at once instead of just taking a step back and asking for help. I think that's a big, yeah. a big problem in our society. And it's kind of being perpetuated as we look at each other and go, oh, well, if she's doing all of that, I yes. should be able to do all of that. Oh. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, and you're hitting on one of my big trigger words, which is should. Like, oh. whole, like we should all over ourselves all the time, right? I should be able to, you know, I should do this, I should do that. And it's like, wow, what is the energy of that word like? Because it doesn't feel good to me. It's really, really heavy, right? Um, and I feel like it's very constricting kind of energy. And and so again, like here's where that whole language teacher thing comes in. A lot of what I do with people is talk about, let's talk about how your language is affecting your energy. Like if should feels heavy to you, what's an option? Like I choose to do something very different energy, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and it's just this idea that we also tend to look outside ourselves for what we should be doing. And so when I hear women in particular say, I should do this, I should do that. I'm like, eh, check yourself, think about where that should came from, because very often it's coming from the outside rather than from inside us. Even if you think that it's a, 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 an internal should very often it's your mom's voice. It's your husband's voice. It's your partner's voice. It's, you know, all these people telling you, you should do something. Um, so, so that's one sort of language flip that I, I like to make with, with clients. And I, what I say is, you know, when you think about self-care, that to me also feels like that's what Cosmo is telling you to do to take care of yourself. Whereas soul care, like really getting inside yourself and your body and figuring out what are your values and your goals and what is your body asking for? 
that's that's soul care and that's more like what the universe is calling you to do rather than shooting on you right the universe is not you should do this you should do that it's much more of a pulling kind of energy it's much more of a i'm being drawn in this way and it becomes a very a very flowy sort of thing rather than another list of to-dos right yeah and i think so many people are now trying to shift into that alignment and flow. And sometimes I laugh when I use those words on this show because it's kind of become this catch-all of the feminine energy, but really there is no no other way to describe the flow than flow and the alignment than balance and alignment, right? Yeah. And Um, I like the word harmony too. Oh, that's a good one. Very often the word balance to me just gives this idea that you have to be balanced right? That's another should. Like I should have work-life balance. Well, honey, let me tell you, it never happens. So when it doesn't happen, then we start beating ourselves up about it, right? It's like, why can't I be balanced? Why can't I find that balance? Um, You've probably seen, I know that all kinds of forms of coaching have these exercises where it's like a circle of life or a wheel of life and you fill this out and it's supposed to look like a circle, right? (laughs) And very often I think that it looks much more like an amoeba, right? So, you know, your personal life might be doing really well and your work life might be suffering. So the, the two sides of the circle kind of, they, you know, one bends in and one bends out. And all it makes me think of is this whole yin yang concept from, from Chinese spirituality where, you know, it's not about balance, it's about flow. So if, if it's about harmony, like if one kind of energy is dominant, then the other one sort of gives for a little while. And then maybe it flows back the other way and you get, you get a harmony that doesn't mean it has to be exactly equal. Yeah. That's the balance. Isn't something that you achieve once. And then it just stays there. Right. Like we all think that, yeah, we all think that if we find the perfect formula of balance, like we've achieved it and now everything will stay in this balance, but, Mm. but that never (laughs) happens in balance, right? There's always that give and take. And when you're looking at that weight scale, Mm. a little bit one way, a little bit the other way. So I, I love that explanation. And so we've kind of established that a lot of the pressure of our shoulds and our have tos and they actually feel like they're coming from external sources yeah. a lot of the yeah. time. And mm-hmm. when you said it, our shoulds are coming from what our partners are saying or our mom's voice, or it's funny to me because I, it's not that these people are even saying these things to us. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Right. It's <laughs> like, maybe they've we, said it once, but we've clung yeah. on to that thing, our entire lives, that inner yeah. child, maybe our it's, stories, right? yes, maybe it's yeah. the societal pressure of, oh, my partner does expect this from me, yeah. but you've never, excuse me, you've never had the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And I have a story <laughs> about that from my own life where, you know, I, I was working full time. My husband, I came home and my husband was leaning up against the counter in the kitchen and scrolling through his phone. And there, the dishes from breakfast were still in the sink. And I was like, seriously, you're standing here going through your phone and the dishes are not done. And, you know, I'm like thumping stuff around and I start washing the dishes and slamming down the plates. And he's just like, wow, don't you want to take a break between work and home and just like relax? And I was like, oh, oh, what a concept, right? Like, oh, is that what you're doing? Oh, you're not trying to piss me off. You're actually just trying to take a break. 
<laughs> have you been in my apartment for this past year? Because <laughs> <laughs> isn't it funny when you have a conversation like that, or you read a book? Like I remember when I was just hitting perimenopause, I read Christiane Northrup's um, "The Wisdom of Menopause." Literally in the first few pages of the introduction, she's like talking about the exact same situation I was just telling you about, and I'm like, okay, is there a camera somewhere in my kitchen? <laughs> Yeah, watching me. (laughs) And and I in the same thing, you hear all these like, oh, well, that's just men or that's just women or but if you kind of take a step back, like you said, if we had the conversation of, okay, honey, this is how I see it. And they go, oh, well, that's not how I see it. I'm not doing it to piss you (laughs) off. I'm doing it because I enjoy to have a break. Don't you want to have a break? And you go, oh, I'm doing it because I'd rather get everything done and then have a break. Oh, okay. Now we're communicating. (laughs) But again, societal pressures, we put these things on ourselves that I have to carry this all by myself. Yeah. And like, I can't outwardly ask for help because if I ask for help and I don't get it, well, oh, I should have just done it myself anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And it's funny because we, we sort of have circled back to this uh, again, which is, you know, I really encourage women not to look outside themselves for the answers for the shoulds, like how should I be eating? How should I be exercising? Like that has to come from within what we need to look outside ourselves for is support, right? Not the information, not the decision, but once you've made that decision, who are my helpers? Like whom can I enlist? And very often at home, for example, we have a team, we just don't use it. We could be the, like the most kick-ass boss at work, delegating, everything's going great. We get home and we don't delegate. Like you've got teenagers, why aren't they doing the dishes, right? Definitely. So let's talk about that. We've talked about the, that a lot of this is coming from the external pressure, but then it's almost bubbling as internal pressure. These stories we've been telling ourselves and kind of trying to hold it all together. Whereas if we kind of flip everything upside down and go, okay, I'm actually going to turn inwards Mm -hmm. and really find my internal compass, then that's a whole other energy right? Think about how powerful that would be if you walked around with this internal compass. You didn't have to rely on everything else around you to tell you, okay, what feels good. So let's talk about that. Like, how do we engage that inner wisdom? How do we even start? And why is this so important? Yeah, Uh, I think it's important exactly for the reason that you mentioned, which is it really changes our energy and how we use that energy. So I like to say there there are three different kinds of energy. One is like, I am pushing a boulder up a hill. It's like a pushing, shoving, very masculine. And you know, we all have masculine and feminine energies in us. So again, it's coming back to that idea of, of flow and which one is dominant. And if you are pushing a boulder up a hill, you are very much in your masculine energy. You are trying to force things to happen. The feminine version of that is you're being drawn. You're being pulled along and it feels easy. And when, when you get to the other side of that though, there's actually a third one, which is yanking energy. (laughs) And that's where you, you have this great thing. You're in the flow, you're attracting people who are interested in what you're doing. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, we want a part of that. And you start a project, a collaboration. And all of a sudden everybody has a different agenda and they're yanking you this way and that way, you know? (laughs) And so really, I think the goal is to find, find that flow that is somewhere it's holding that tension between 
I need to push to get this done. And other people are yanking me to get it done. And like, where am I being drawn? Where am I feeling flow? And the example that I'd love to give about this is I published a cookbook when I switched from teaching culinary skills to health coaching, I kind of felt like I needed to, to close off that section and sort of put a bow on it, you know, and then have a resource for clients who were interested in the cooking side of things still. And so I wrote a cookbook in 2016. And I tell you, every time I needed something for this cookbook, someone just dropped into my life. (laughs) I just, it was incredible. I needed a photographer. And at that point, all of a sudden, the nonprofit where I was working, the communications uh, director said, you know, I'm looking for a a kid to do a photo shoot. And I'm just, I don't want to do this really cliched, like small African-American child holding an apple and smiling. You know, I want something different. I want, I want somebody ethnically ambiguous. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And she says, wait, you, you have ethnically ambiguous children because my husband is Chinese. And so she said, would one of your kids do this photo shoot? And I said, "Mm, sure, I'll ask. And so while they're doing the photo shoot with my son, the photographer said something about, you know, I've always wanted to do a cookbook photo shoot. And she said, oh, how weird. You know, this boy's mom is writing a cookbook. I'll connect you. Done. Right. (laughs) And then I needed an editor or not an editor, but a, um, a layout and design person. And I was teaching a cooking class and one of the women said, oh, hey, you were talking about a design person. My husband does does graphic design. I should connect the two of you. And every time I needed something for that cookbook and just put it out, it would show up. And it was just so crazy. But I was like, oh, this is what flow feels like. And it wasn't hard. I didn't have to shove this book across the finish line. It was just like, okay, now it's done. You know? um, so, so that's just one example of, you know, talking about energy and how are you using your energy and are you using it effectively? Oh, that's so good. And if you haven't experienced it, I'm sure you have, you know, it's, you, you kind of have to go backwards sometimes when you're not realizing that things are happening, but think about that perfect job offer or that connection or how you met your best friend or whatever it is yeah. in your life. I'm sure that there were those little universe nudges along the way, but yeah. most of the time we're using so much of that pushing energy that it's really hard for us to see the little yes. nudges because, yeah. and we get tired. So we're yes. not even looking for them, you know, yeah. we're just like, okay, got to push through, got to push through. Totally. And it's yeah. It's and like I think the- you're exactly right. You really need to drop back. You need to take a step back and that can be very hard to do. And one, one way to do it is to actually think about the reverse. Like, where have you felt really like you were pushing something across the finish line and couldn't quite do it? So the example I often use is, you know, when did you try some kind of a, uh, an eating style or a, even a diet that somebody else told you you should do? Either somebody said, oh, you need to do this, or you looked at someone and thought, oh, yeah, you know, she became keto and it really worked well for her. That's what I should do, Right. And then what was the energy like while you were doing it? Was it really easy or was it like, oh God, why isn't this working for me? It worked so well for her and it's not working for me. What am I doing wrong? And what do we do right away? It's our fault. There's something wrong with us 
right? It's not that this thing is not right for me right now. It's that I can't do it. Therefore, there's something wrong with me, right? So when I, when I talk to people about an example like that, it's like, oh yeah, that's what the pushing feels like. And then they're much more easily able to come up with like, oh yeah, this is when I did feel flow. This is when it felt right. Yes. And I see this all the time. I mean, this is essentially what my business is about now is that health coaches, nutritionists, practitioners, we've broken into the online space. It's in a whole new world. So many new people that we can help and transform their, their health, but we're still following all of these strategies that worked for other people Mm -hmm. instead of tuning into, okay, how does that feel for me? How does that work for me and my energy? How does that just naturally happen for me? We kind of put our heads down and follow one online course or one mentor yes. and, <laughs> and it's like, guru, and, yeah. Right? And you, you, you mm-hmm. build the whole thing out and then you get to the end and you go live and you press the go button and then crickets. crickets. And you're <laughs> like, know, what's wrong with me? I saw all of these testimonials of all these people who got, you know, hundred K yeah. launches in their first launch and blah, blah, blah. And we build it up of, oh my gosh, it must be me. I'm the it's failure. Me. I could, Yeah. <sighs> And it's so not true. So I, I yeah. love that. So yeah. how, do, and how do we oh, shift? Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say one thing that one thing that I, I really love about that situation is it's such a teaching moment because we, we, I like to say there are two ways to ask the exact same question, same words, same question, two, two different ways of asking. One is, you know, say you're trying to give up sugar, right? Ah, why did I eat that again? Right? That's that's judgy. That's the end of the conversation. You're not going to get anywhere after you've spoken to yourself that way, right? It's just the end. You're going to cycle into this. I'm terrible. I'm a loser. I'm weak. I have no self, self, you know, no willpower, no self-discipline. But you can ask the exact same question with curiosity. And that sounds like, huh, why did I eat that again? And that's a question, right? And that's the beginning of a conversation like, oh, did I not have anything healthy on hand, even though I knew I was going to be hungry after work? Did I go to a restaurant where there weren't any healthy choices? Did I hang out with people who don't make good choices and I didn't want to appear weird? You know, so there, then you have all of the answers that you can start working through. So it's just like, are you asking that question with judgment or are you asking the question with curiosity? And that's where we really find the way forward. It's like asking it to your best friend, yeah. right? You would, <laughs> because you genuinely want to help them. So you'd want to get to the bottom and go, okay, let's roll up our sleeves here. Like what's going on? What's the deeper layer here? Let's create a new action plan. There's gotta be another way yeah. versus when you talk to yourself, it's very, oh, well, it's me who messed up again. So that's the yeah. end of the story. Yeah. And it's, it's like two different versions of coaching, right? Yes. There's this coach that's like, come on, you can do it, push through, or let's take a look at why this isn't working. You know, what can we do to set you up for success? <laughs> So what, what's the next step now that we've kind of established, we need to turn inward. We really need to almost coach ourselves a little bit, kind of peel back those layers. Once we've kind of established what our true values are, what our goals are and okay, what do we actually want out of our business or our family or our life or our time here on earth? 
how the heck do we keep things in in alignment day to day? Like, how do we make those daily choices and not revert back to these old patternings? Do you have advice on that? Yeah, definitely. And it's so funny that you use those words because the process that I take clients through, I call it eat, which is funny because I used to be in food, right? But it's, it's engaged. So that's the first step. And the second step is really align. And the last step is transform. So when you think about it, you've dropped into your body, you've figured out that this is the eating style that feels right to you. This is the way of doing business that feels right to you. Um, The next step is to figure out how do you align your choices with those values and goals, right? This is, this is my value. This is what I want to work toward. And you have to realize that every day you are going to face a choice, right? Many, many choices. And I like to say that the best way to start is just make the better choice 50% of the time, because you know whether it's in alignment or not, you will feel it on a gut level, whether making that choice is in alignment with you, with your values and goals. So an example from my own business is I recently, I I was doing exactly what you said people do, which is like, Oh, I, I need to be on Instagram and I need to be on Facebook and I need to be on this and on that. And finally, I just thought, you know what? Instagram doesn't work for me. It works for certain health coaches. I'm not the one posting pictures of my green smoothies. I'm not a visual person myself. So it feels very difficult for me. And I think that's one of the major questions we ask about alignment, which is how would it look if it were easy, right? How would this look if it were easy? So if you're thinking about, you know, a physical activity goal and you want to run a 5k, how would that look if it were easy? Well, if you're a couch potato, maybe walking around the block is what it would look like. If you are trying to, um, you know, give up sugar, maybe having an apple, rather than the chocolate cake is how it looks easy, right? And and try to make that choice 50% of the time and let yourself off the hook 50% of the time, right? Give yourself a little grace to get there over time rather than going from zero to a hundred overnight because that's that's where we really set ourselves up for failure is that we try to fight off too much at once. I so, think- you know, just deciding what would it look like if it were easy is a really good way to check your alignment. I think that is such a powerful question that everyone should be writing down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just use the should word? (laughs) Sorry, that they need to be, I don't know. Could you use need instead of should? That feels like the same word, (laughs) but don't you want to write that down? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's something that you can go back to time and time again for so many different facets of your yes. life, but especially in your business and in your health yes. is if this felt easy, what would it look like? Right. How because can... if it's easy, you're going to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I there's no that. barrier there. It's kind of like when I tell people to have, you know, have the healthy choices available because at the end of the day, you're going to be tired. And if you don't have it available, you're going to default right? So it's all about sort of setting yourself up for success and making the healthy choice or the aligned choice, the easy one. And sometimes I think that if you're pulling back a little bit and you're, you're just focusing on the things that feel easy for you, this creates so much space for you to see those 
universe nudges and winks that we were talking about, mm, right? I it's, love the way you said that. Yes. It's absolutely. Like, okay. Now I'm going to not push so much. I'm going to pull back a little bit. I'm going to focus on what I can control. Like again, masculine energy here, what I can control, what I have the bandwidth, managing. For, what I have, <laughs> yeah, what I can manage. But then the feminine energy, it's like what actually feels good, what feels yeah. easy to me. So yeah. there's, there is the balance of both there. And then with pulling back, right? It's like a, a vacuum. It's like you've pulled back and now all of a sudden you have all of this empty space that more can flow into. And so you're going to start to see and feel those nudges. And, and again, that feminine side is just the patience to know that it's coming and that you might not see the next step yet, but it's going to happen more naturally you're going to be able to have those little things like the person connecting you to the photographer or someone emailing you or when you've actually created space for them to kind of just drop in. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that's beautifully said. And and it's just, it's so true. Um, I'm sure you, you talk about this a lot, which is, you know, you don't have to work 60 hours a week, right? In fact, you will do better in many ways if you work less. And, you know, I don't exactly subscribe to what is it, the four hour work week or whatever it yeah. is. But I will tell you, you know, I went full time coaching just as the pandemic was starting. I had always done it sort of on the side. And, um, you know, it's just so tempting to, to work all the time because there is something that you could be doing for your business 24 seven. And I suddenly realized like, wow, if that's true, when am I going to rest? Because I need to. And I, I honestly feel like I get so much more done now working fewer hours. Like I'm probably working 30 hours as opposed to 60. And yet my business is all of a sudden thriving because I've created that space to see those connections and really decide what's in alignment. Because otherwise we're like, yes, I'll take that and I'll do this. And yes, I want that. And I need another client. And if you actually step back, it's like, oh, that would be a really terrible choice of a client for me. Like we wouldn't work well together. (laughs) Yeah. Aligning yourself with that, you know, opposite of that lack mentality, right? That lack mentality tells us that we need to keep going out there. We need to push back into the masculine. We need to make it happen. We need to initiate. I talk a lot about human design on this podcast. So what, you know, a overwhelming majority of us should not be pushing and initiating our energy to take action. In fact, we should be waiting for cues from the universe, from other people, from other energies in order to make sure that that's the thing we should spend our energy on. And so putting that into your business model, I love that you gave the example that you're thriving in business, working 30 hours a week and knowing that, that the more time that you spend on yourself and the more time that you give to yourself, well, then of course your energy is going to be bright and light and beautiful when you show up in your business versus you could be spending 60 hours a week, but 30 to 40 of those hours is you being drained and exhausted. And then that's the kind of energy that you're bringing into your business. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then there's, there's resentment that starts piling up. Like I'm working so hard and nothing is happening and what's wrong. It's me. There's something wrong with me. (laughs) Yeah. The loop. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the transform aspect because we talked about the engage, the align. So tell us a little bit more about how do we use this transform aspect in our lives? 
Yeah, I think transforming is really about, again, stepping back and recognizing like, oh, I did this one very small aligned thing and it really gave me outsized impact in results. What's the next really small aligned thing? So, you know, if we were to take it back to making food choices, usually what I say is, okay, what's the first thing you want to do? Uh, increase your hydration, right? The next thing you could do is, you know, add some, add a green salad to your day, right? And so you start adding up all these little things in one area. You could also think about adding one little thing in a different area. So if you start out with hydration, the next tiny next aligned thing you do is, well, maybe I take a walk around the block in the afternoon, right? And that's the, you know another really tiny aligned goal, but it's in a different area of your life. So you can think about it like, you know, if you want to focus on your business, what's the next aligned step for your business? Okay, you've got, you know, you've got your Facebook group, it's up and running really well now. What's the next thing? Do you want to take on doing lives? Do you want to take on Instagram? What is it? What's one tiny thing? And what you end up doing is you just layer up these tiny little micro habits that that have huge impact. Um, one book that I really recommend to people is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about how, you know, habits can be atomic because they can be so, so tiny that they're like atomic particles. But when you think about the impact of an atomic bomb, that's the impact that these tiny habits are going to have. So he says, you know, take these little micro habits and stack them up, like layer them up. And that's where transformation happens. I also love that book and talk about oh, it no, nonstop. I think, <laughs> I think not only for your own personal development, but if you are a coach, in any field, like life coaching, yeah. business coaching, health coaching, or you manage a team at all, or, you know, coworkers who work underneath you, that book will transform the way that you talk and teach to other people, right? Because yeah. you'll be able to take these really big things and help them break it down. And then also, how do we make that habit stick? And how do we break some of that conditioning or those old habits that are kind of getting in the way? So yeah. highly recommend yeah, pairing, as well. Pairing that book with um, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, also fantastic. He really just breaks down like, what is a habit? Why can't we form good ones? And why can't we break bad ones, <laughs> right? And so if you, there you go, layering those books on top of each other, <laughs> there's your transformation right there. Love that. So we've talked so much and this conversation has been so beautiful and bright. And I feel like everyone has started to have these conversations with themselves, especially in 2020, but it's so good to kind of piece it all together and know that a, we're not alone in feeling this way in this external pressure that kind of builds up as internal pressure, but B that that there is a way out. And yeah. actually it's amazing that the way out is to do less. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. So yeah. for someone who's listening to this and they really just want to dive in and start doing the work and, and by doing the work, it's actually doing less. Yeah. Um, what's like the one big takeaway that you would love for someone to, to either take action on or to walk away with from this episode? You know, I would really love it if uh, as women in particular, but anybody um, we could step back from looking outside ourselves. 
uh, for the answers. And I love to teach this really simple exercise, which I learned from a, a food intuitive named Lana Nelson. I'm going to give her full credit where credit is due, but she does muscle testing with food. But I've, I've also realized like, wow, you can just use this in any aspect of your life. And so people will say to me, but I'm not intuitive. I don't know what's right. I don't know what the answer is. It's like, okay, let me give you an example. <laughs> I live in Michigan in the summer. It's like 90 degrees and super humid outside. And I've invited you over. My air conditioning is broken and I'm going to serve you hot soup for lunch. What do you do? Does your body lean in and say, oh yeah. Or do you kind of back away and go, okay, this lady's crazy right? Now it doesn't matter what your answer is. You might love hot soup on a hot, humid day and that's fine, but listen to what your body's doing. You're leaning in, you're swaying toward the answer. That's a yes, or you're backing away from the answer. That's a no. And so same thing with business. Like, you know, if you're thinking, huh, maybe Instagram, maybe Instagram is the next place I need to go. Does your body actually lean in like, oh yeah, I could take all these pictures and post about them and I can come up with these cool hashtags or you just go, oh, hell no, <laughs> backing away, don't wanna do that. And so it's called a sway test and it literally is your intuition, but we tend to ignore it. We often just say, okay, yeah, whatever, but gonna do what I'm gonna do. But if you just pause and think about when you put the choice in front of you, does your body sway toward it or does it sway away? I think the more you practice that, the easier it gets as well. Exactly. And it's so simple. It really is. But we, we've just stopped paying attention to it. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and all of your teachings, your eat process with us. If people are interested in connecting with you or talking more about this with you, where do you hang out? Where's the best place to get a hold of you? Well, I would say my website is definitely Lisa Central. You can find your way to everything from my website. Um, and that's simplyhealthcoaching.com. Awesome. I'll make sure that is in the show notes. If you want to connect with Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Did you have um, a free gift or any kind of freebie that you wanted to share with our audience? Absolutely. I do free consults and um, I call them your story. It's like history, but yours. And um, so the easiest way to find that is again, to go to my website and it's one of the, the very first blocks you come to, there's a link um, or you can go to is good, which is a, a, a URL shortener. It's is.gd slash tell Lisa your story. And it's all lowercase. So is good. Tell Lisa your story. Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much, Lexi.